This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm Rod Hatley of Hatley Law Group here in San Diego, California. And sitting in with me today is a longtime colleague and friend, uh, Carolyn Konecki, who is a private client account executive with Cabinac and Associates, a, a very well-regarded insurance firm here in San Diego. So, Carolyn, welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, I think this, you have one other title that I don't want to mess up. So can you share that with us uh, for our listeners? I'm also the personal lines manager. So I run the entire personal lines practice here at Cavagnac. Okay, very good. Let's see. I guess the, the question now, you deal with insurance. I kind of describe very briefly, if you will, the kinds of insurance that, that your company handles and what you specifically are focused on when you deal with clients. <laughs> Right. Our, our company is an independent brokerage. We handle many, many lines of insurance, business insurance, and things of that nature. The area of my practice is exclusively in the personal line side. So insurance that individuals would buy to protect their homes, their cars, their collections, art, jewelry, wine, boats, planes. And then of course, you know, we have flood, earthquake, rental properties, and all that. But it's things that individuals would have not a business. Okay. And are you focused primarily here in San Diego or are you national in scope or regional? I'm not sure that I fully understand. Yes. That's a good question. Faithfully, we're not just in California because <laughs> the market's so challenging right now, but we are domiciled in California, but I am licensed in all 50 states. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So anybody listening to the podcast, if they had a need for uh, your services, they can certainly reach out to you uh, through the contact information that will be provided uh, through, yes. with podcasts. Okay. How did you get into insurance? I mean, what uh, um, what what led you into this uh, area, I can ask? Yes. So it's definitely not a, a you know, you, you go to college and go, I dream of being an insurance agent. My husband actually got into the business back in 1991, and he was a captive agent initially. He went independent in 2003. And then asked me to join him in 2004 to handle the marketing and the administration of his agency. That really wasn't enough, you know, meat on the bone for me. So I started to sell in 2006. We marketed to both businesses and individuals back then. And we did both what we call Main Street insurance as well as high value home or high net worth insurance. And I just found that I gravitated, you know, to the more complex situations. I found that these policies could be customized. Really? I just found that to be a better solution for my successful clients. Okay. So for our listeners, can you define successful clients in terms of, you know, what's a great fit for what you do 
Um, not necessarily be applicable to, you know, Avignac generally, but for the kind of focus that you have, can you yes. share with us what, uh, can you define what a successful client who that person is? Yes. So my ideal client, their house has a replacement cost of a million dollars or more. That's not the market value. You know, right. it'd be right on the ocean and worth 15 million, but it might only, you know, to sell it, but it needs to be the replacement cost. And this is in California and most other states like Texas and Massachusetts, New York, things like that. Some other, you know, smaller states that that minimum will drop. There are not, you know, some states don't have a bunch of million dollar homes, uh, but California certainly does. And so the house has to have a replacement cost of a million and ideally not located in a brushy area. So we're not looking for mountaintop properties. Coastal is best in this particular market. My ideal client will typically own several cars. Um, Some of them may be collector cars. We insure a $3.6 million Ferrari. Wow. Clients who have 20, 30 collector cars. It's, it's It's a fun hobby. They will typically have jewelry, art, wine, or other types of collections. Everything from campaign buttons to baseball cards to Santa Clauses. We've kind of done it all. <laughs> sure. They usually also have a need for a high limit excess liability policy, which is also known as an umbrella policy. And some of the regular carriers maybe can only go to two million or five million. We can go up to fifty million. And so it just again, it helps our clients protect their wealth. And then they may have rental properties, watercraft homes in other states. My best clients own a lot of stuff. Okay. So would ask you to, you know, if you can think back, because it's always helpful, I think, for folks to know, you know, success stories, but also near, you know, like missed opportunities. Yeah. Um, you think, think of, can you share with us maybe one really great success story that sticks out in your mind where you were able to really deliver for a client and then one where maybe it just didn't work out as well as you might've liked or you, as you had hoped that it would. Can you share yeah. those? Sure. Sure. So, you know, my best success stories are and they all kind of have the same thing. It's it's someone who comes to me and their insurance is a mess, right? <laughs> they have multiple policies with multiple carriers, sometimes with multiple agents. Wow. No one's talking to anybody else. And so like, okay. And I love, this is my favorite thing is the analysis part. So I'll just, I'll take what they have. We do a very extensive review process, very different than most insurance agents. We ask a lot of questions. We really get to know our clients. And I'm also at a point in my career, I'm very selective about the clients we bring aboard. They have to be a good fit for us. Of course. We need to be a good fit for them, you know, that type of thing. So it's not just, oh, can I get a quote for my home insurance? That's really not who we are. So I'll take all this information, figure out who they are, what's important to them. You know, some people are much more risk averse than others. And so we'll We'll just go through the whole process. And then I do, you know, I actually am one of those weird people who reads the policies because they're contract. And, you know, so they'll, a lot of times we will unearth that there's gaps in coverage. Maybe the limits are not adequate to protect their wealth. There's not coverage for some of the special things. You know, a lot of our clients do have domestic employees. They'll have nannies for their children or they'll have housekeepers, private chefs, cooks, tutors chauffeurs, you know, rounds people, and they may not be properly covering those people in that exposure. So we've got workers' compensation coverage for their domestic employees to deal with. We have employer practice liability insurance. Um, And so I take all of that. I organize the chaos. I analyze it. We 
add coverages they need. And because these policies are customizable, we'll discard coverages they don't need. Really? Well, why pay for something that you're not going to use, you know? And then, but the, I think my favorite part is to educate them regarding the coverages they have. You know, this is why you need cyber coverage. This is why you need, you know, employer practice, or we, we have equipment breakdown coverage. So there's lots of bells and whistles that come with these types of policies that are, you know, made to fit the particular client. So we add what they need. Fabulous. Okay. Is there a situation like maybe some of you, you had really tried to help, but you just couldn't, and then it didn't work out for them ultimately. Because I, I think that you know the wins yeah. as well as the losses are important to kind of help people understand. You know, it, it, it's important to get this done. Right, right. Well, I mean, I can tell you this a situation we had early in my career. I was referred somebody. I wasn't their agent at the time, but they were carrying like average medium limits on their auto insurance policy, which was fifty thousand dollars. California is a split limit state typically, so they had fifty thousand per person, a bodily injury, and 100000 per occurrence. And his wife was at fault in a car accident where there was a $90,000 shortfall. So it was $140,000 of, of injuries to the other party. She only had 50000 of coverage. So there was a $90,000 gap. So because of that, she now had to go back to work. She was a stay-at-home mom and find a job. And they calculated that she was going to have to work for 13 years to pay off that $90,000. The sad thing is it would have cost them at that time $40. Oh my goodness. $40 to increase their coverage. So a lot of times it's it's explaining, you know, why this why you need the coverage you you need because it this and this was not a horrific car accident. Just you know happened to be that the person broke their ankle and you know doesn't doesn't take much to rack up a, you know, $100,000 of medical bills. <laughs> not not at all. So okay, thank you for sharing that. This is called the Legacy Leaders uh, Podcast. So obviously, um, what you do is so vitally important to help preserve a legacy that otherwise, if there was, as you just shared with us, a shortfall could really be you know, uh, disastrous for a client or families or mm-hmm. whatnot. If, if I could put you on the spot, what does legacy mean to you? And I, I wonder if you possibly given thought to that in your career as, a, as an insurance professional. To me, yeah, you're kind of getting me this one with this one, Rod. I think a legacy is the essence of who you are that you leave behind. Right. And and it's everything. Yes, of course, there's the monetary aspect. Right. And but it's, you know, who were you as a person? What how did you donate your time, treasure, and talent? You know, what charities were you involved in with? What impact did you have on your family and friends? You know, so the legacy to me, a legacy is very encompassing. It's not just you know, how much money did you die with, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel the same way. I, it's more than just the material wealth, which is, you know, if you're able to leave your family, something like that, that's really terrific. But, you know, I think it's also, as you say, it's more all-encompassing. It's the the stories, the, the lessons, the values, all of those things that are really, you know, and I would give anything if when my, I never knew my mother, my parents divorced when I was very young. I never knew my mother, never knew that side of the family. The only, I did know my my father's mother, my my paternal grandmother, uh, had shared with me the stories about his family, and they'd come from you know their circumstances, etc. And I wish more than anything that I had either had the presence of mind to jot it down with a notebook and a pen. Maybe I'd put a tape recorder in front of her and asked her to, you know, would you go over that story again? Yeah, I, I have these fragments in my memory, you know, but I don't have the full story. And so I think those stories are really helpful to tie you to the past and. 
you know, and then of course the lessons learned from, you know, a life well lived and, you know, the values of hard work and thrift and giving back to the community and stuff like that, I think are really key. Let's talk for a minute about, you know, I think all of us aspire to be the quote unquote trusted advisor to our clients. And I suspect that you probably aspire to that too. What does being a trusted advisor uh, mean to you in terms of uh, what you do as a, as an insurance professional? And I, I think that is just really a key question because most people don't view their insurance agent as an advisor. It's more of a transactional relationship. But for me, being trusted means that clients know that I have the knowledge and the experience to provide sound advice. Uh, again, I actually read the policies, which are contracts. I understand the language of what is covered and what is not. So I can advise my clients on ways that they can manage their risk rather than just selling insurance. Like some of the, um, the things that we do is we consult on things that clients can do to protect their homes, say from a wildfire or wire, water damage from a burst pipe. You know, because even with great insurance, nobody wants to go through that kind of a claim. Of course. It's, yeah, it's horrific. And so it's, it's advising on all different levels, you know, preventing, but then if something happens, having the insurance to make sure that they have transferred that risk to the insurance company and they're not absorbing any more than they can afford to absorb or want to absorb. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Let's see. Another question. Who are the best sources, referral sources for you and the clients that you that you serve? For my curiosity and for those who are listening. I would say it falls into three different categories for me. Other, They're all referrals. I mean, my entire business is referral-based and it's you know, relationships and word of mouth people, you know, sure. passing on my name. But my best business comes from financial professionals such as wealth advisors, real estate agents, because people who are moving here typically need to obtain a property policy. And it starts with that. And property policies are non-transferable. And then um, we get a lot of business from the commercial agents here in the office, business owners who are looking to have us, you know, handle their personal insurance as well. So it's all in one place. Very good. Okay. Thank you years of experience in the industry, what does it mean to be an insurance professional? I mean, I think you sort of you know touched on it here, but you do maybe a little bit deeper dive on that. Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of different types of agents. There's captive agents who only represent, you know, one particular carrier like State Farm or Farmers. We're independent. So we represent a bunch of different companies. To me, that's very advantageous for my clients because we can shop the market and find the right policy for our clients. In California right now, it's very difficult to obtain property policy from the admitted market. A lot of carriers have stopped doing business in California. Really? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have it good to the wildfires? It's a result of the wildfires. They also, um, we have a very antiquated system for rate increases. It's based on a law that was passed in 1988 called Prop 103. And they're not allowed to consider cost of reinsurance is part of their rating factors. And then the Department of Insurance is also not allowed to use any kind of wildfire modeling or computer forecasting. So you can't do anything predictive to sell it. Yeah. So the insurance companies, of course, use all this technology to determine what risks they want to write or not, but they're not able to use any kind of predict. They can't use this in, in setting rates. So they have to go before the department and say, hello, we'd like, you know, a certain amount of rate. We can't show you half of what our costs are to justify the rate. And, and then the process is involves several months, if not years of getting rate. So right now, it, most insurers are not getting enough rate. It's not worth them 
worth it to them to sell a new policy because they're going to lose money right out of the gate. So they've all kind of paused. State Farm recently, they're the largest insurer in California, and they stopped writing all new property business uh, about wow. three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's alarming. Wow. I did it, not know. It's terrifying. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're really encouraging people to contact the Department of Insurance, copy the governor, make your voice known. They, there is a solution to this. It's very easy for them. They just need to approve rates in a timely manner because insurance companies are not charities. They are businesses and if they can make money. They'll open back up. We'll have more capacity. We'll have a competitive situation. We have a supply and demand and things will level out. Right now, it's it's horrific. I have a client who's paying one hundred thirty five thousand dollars for one year property insurance. I'm I'm that, I'm flabbergasted. I I don't know what to say about that. Other than I think you make the very the point very well. You know, uh, California and what I I thought California used to lead the nation in a lot of things. Apparently, not in this regard, and that's just tragic. No, we're not so they're they're, they're basically dealing with thirty five. They're they're dealing with a thirty five year old law that doesn't allow them to set the rates anymore, and so. As you say, because they're a business, not a charity, and they have to be responsible to their shareholders. If they're not able to turn a profit, they're not going to underwrite the business because they'll they lose money immediately from the get go. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And I think for the listeners who are in California, you know, a word to the wise, you know, make sure that you reach out to the California Department of Insurance and the governor and let them know. You know, this is something that's really important because I mean, and who's got the money unless they're you know you're a very well heeled client, you know, to to pay that kind of cash to get an insurance policy. That's just- And it's also creating a skewed market because if you're- I have clients that live on the same street, basically track, nice tract houses, but tract houses. And, you know, one person who's been in there for a while and has a policy, he might be paying, you know, two to $4,000 a year. The guy that moved in a few years ago, he came in at a higher rate. He's paying 8,000. The guy, new guy moves in, he can't get any insurance. So he has to go to the secondary market and he's paying twelve to fifteen thousand. These are all the same house with essentially the same cost to rebuild, like and so that's just not fair. No, it's just insane. So yeah, and this is—I didn't even realize this was an issue out there. But uh, yes. yeah, you know, I, I've heard the things that gotten challenging, but I didn't realize they were that challenging. Let's see. What do you like best about what you do? I like helping people. I like that. You know, I when we used to have choices, <laughs> I would come in. <laughs> organize everything. I felt like a superhero with my cape on. I'd fly in. I'd say, let me help you out. You know, and I would do my little analysis. I would, you know, go out and get competitive quotes. I would show them, you know, here's, we have these six different policies to choose from. Here's the one I recommend. Here's the coverage. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving you more coverage and I'm saving you money and it's great. Those days are gone. We don't have as many choices, but essentially it's the same thing. I like to go in and and sort out the situation for my client and consult with them and advise them on what is going to be the best solution for them. Right now, it may be an expensive solution. And a lot of times my advice is, hey, stay put where you are. You have, you're not going to find anything better. It's like musical right. chairs right now. Don't get up. You right. won't find a chair to sit down in. And and so it's it's giving that advice that if it's my true north has always been what is best for the client, even if that's not me. Fabulous. No, I, I think that's terrific. I was going to ask what you like least, but I think you've kind of already alluded to it. <laughs> Things are just so challenging right now that people can't even get insurance unless they're willing to pay through the nose. And that's just... And, and sometimes you can't even get that. And you know, the um, there is the California Fair Plan, but there's a, there's a limitation. 
Talk very briefly about that, if you would, please. Sure. So um, so the California Fair Plan is a program that was set up. It's funded by the voluntary insurance market. So all the companies that do business in California, State Farm, Travelers, Safeco, everybody pays to and kind of like an assigned risk program. And so the, the California Fair Plan is a fire only policy. So it only covers your house against the peril of fire, smoke and explosion. But that's it. It's only the it's only the one. It has a maximum of $3 million of total coverage. So that's for the house, all the other structures, all the stuff in your house, your contents, and your loss of use. And so for people who, so it's really ideally designed for a house that would be replacement cost of $1.5 million. Right. But so what we're doing now is, and that's also, by the way, it's a market of last resort. You are only allowed to sell a fair plan policy if no other market, even one that's a lot more money, will write it. So if I have a fair plan policy at 8000 and I've got someone sitting over here at 15000 I have to sell the $15,000 policy. Have to. So then the person who buys a fair plan policy has to then go out and get a secondary policy called a difference in conditions policy. This will add coverage for water, staff, liability, all of the other coverage. So you end up with these two. This is not a great policy. The other thing, it's not tested, right? It's designed to just pick up back in the day, people who lived in the mountains or, you know, someplace that they couldn't get insurance from the regular market. Um, and it's not designed for larger, if more expensive homes. If we have a situation in California where you have a very large wildfire, there's no reserves. <laughs> so What's going to happen is if that's if there's a shortfall between the premium that the fair plan is collected and what's out there, all of the companies that are still doing business in California have to participate in providing money to pay these claims. So right now, State Farm currently has 21 percent of the market share in California. If there's a 10 billion dollar shortfall because we have a big wildfire and all these fair plan policies. You know, have to start paying out. State Farm's gonna have to pony up two point one billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. And there's never, there's no way for them to recover. So if the fire was caused by a utility company, we've seen they they just they lose out. So it's very expensive for these companies to do business in California. And driving driving business to the fair plan is not a solution. The other thing is the fair plan is not an insurance company. It has no surplus. It has no underwriters. It has no claims adjusters. Right. So you get a fire where 3,000, 4,000 homes burn down, you know, you're going to have, they're going to be hiring independent adjusters. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. Okay. We well, need insurance companies. <laughs> well, on that cheery note, let's see, uh, how can people get in touch with you? If any of our listeners, you know, have, uh, you know, liked what they've heard and they would like to have a conversation with you, how do they reach out to you? And, and how do you work? So in terms of how am I compensated? Well, uh, let's say, I, I mean, I, I assume you consult with folks to help them understand yes. what they can and there's do. No, yeah, there's no cost for that. We yeah. are paid by the carriers once we place coverage. Very good. If we're able to place coverage. Really? So my direct phone number is 619-744-0545. And my email, I'll say it and then I'll spell it because it's three complicated words. It's uh, cknecki at kavignag.com. So that's C is in Carolyn. My last name, Kinecki, K-O-N-E-C-K-I. And my company is C-A-V-I-G-N-A-C.com. That's my email. 
And then our website is cavagnac.com. And I'm actually drinking out of my Cavagnac cup, so you can see how it's spelled. There we go. There we go. Yes. Let's see. I, I We're coming up on time, but I did wanted to ask one last question. Is there anything that uh, I haven't asked you that you'd like uh, to go into or any uh, final words uh, of wisdom or anything to share with our listeners before we bring this to a close? I just think it's important that, you know, that if whoever they're working with as an insurance agent, that they meet with their agent on a regular basis. That's one of the things that we do that our clients tell us, you know, that they like best, right? You know, we work with all these different companies. We're licensed in all 50 states, you know, but the important part for me is that we meet with our clients on a regular basis, ensuring that their coverage is always current because people's situation is not static. And, you know, I think that, and then it's also important to provide excellent service. Um, We've gotten so many clients for the simple reason that I answered the phone. Interesting. When it actually rang. And, you know, that number I gave you is my direct line. It rings right here at my desk. Very good. And and how often do you meet? You say you meet with them regularly. Is that like once a year, once a quarter, every six months? Yeah, minimally it's once a year. Um, A lot of our clients... You know, we'll meet with them for quick transactions. They bought a new car or a child that's getting their driver's license or something like that. But we do a complete, a comprehensive review at least once a year. Very good. Okay. I've had the pleasure to sit in with a longtime colleague and friend, Carolyn Konecki with Cavagnac and Associates here in San Diego. Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and your insight with our listeners. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.